0: Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11. So let's, let's go to verse 10. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Right? This, this is the imagery of the bridegroom and the bride, us being the bride and The Messiah being the bridegroom in in many regards, right? So the voice of my beloved, uh, I'm sorry, my beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Right? There's a reason why many people have weddings in the spring and the summer, right? Tonight I was crazy as Michelle and I getting married in a two-foot snowstorm. Some of you remember that, right? Some of you got stuck in that two feet of snow. I was crazy. But anyhow, most people get married in the spring and summer, right? There's this, this symbol and there's this beauty, the cherry blossoms, right? And in, in Israel, actually, it's about now where the, uh, the almond trees are starting to bloom, okay? And this is really, it's a time of romance. It's a time of life. It's a time of rebirth. It's a beautiful thing. And even this week, although we are much further north than Israel... You know, there's a little bit of a break, right? We had that 165 degree day, that 170 degree day, and now they're talking about snow again, right? But in like a lion, out like a lamb is the whole thing of March. Uh, But, you know, there is this time period right now that we're living in, in March, where there is this kind of application of springtime is coming. I remember when Jose moved up from Miami and from Texas. I'm like, man, you will never appreciate spring and summer like you will after going through winter, right? Like people in the South, they don't know how good spring is. People up here, we know how good spring is. It's like, yeah, like, you know, it's like those hard times make the good times even more precious. Like, man, you're really like, "Ah, this is amazing, right? But it's like 72 all year or 90 all year, you know, it's like, it's almost like you don't appreciate it to the same level, right? And so there's a concept really here in all of this Winter is past, springtime has come, or in the scripture, springtime is come, right, that we need to hold on to. And I think this is really appropriate for not just this winter into spring. I think this is really important for the days in which we're living in, right, this 2020, 2021 nutty time period, all right? I'm going to get a little history teacher on you for a moment. Uh, there is a historical term that we use in, in, in the study of history uh, known as zeitgeist. It's a German term. Uh, the direct translation is really uh, time ghost, zeit, time, geist, ghost in, in the German. But really, that doesn't quite convey what's going on. And I just use this translation because it was a cool font off of Google. But really, the way that we usually define it is the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age. Right? So historians will take a look. Anthropologists will take a look. Really, historians will take a look at different time periods, different decades. And they'll say, there's a certain spirit on it. There's There's a feeling that is on it. All right. And so when we teach this in high school, uh, probably the best example of this, because uh, it was so overt and so uh, clear, was the 1920s. Uh, they would refer to it as the zeitgeist of the, the jazz age, or the roaring 20s, right? And so, fine, it might be a long time since you've studied about American history in the 1920s, I get it, but when you hear jazz age, it's like, I get it. Yeah, there's jazz music, I get it, but it's more than that, right? There is a bounce to life. There is an excitement to life. There's a lot of of movement. There's a lot of things going on. It's actually even like a cheery time. It's like a decade of partying that eventually leads to a crash, right? The Great Depression. But what we have here is historians will take a look at this stuff, and it's very difficult. This is the hard part. When you're living in the time, it's hard to give the age a name. It's almost like you can't. It's like you have to be removed from it and then look into it, and then you can give it a name. Right? 1960s, they'll call it like the, this, the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of change. Like everything is changing. Culture is changing. Law is changing. Everything is changing. But, you know, it beckons the question, so what is the zeitgeist now? 2020, 2021. 20, I got some ideas, but I'm not going to mention it yet. Maybe I won't mention it all. But I got some feelings of what the historians will take a look at this time period and give it a name that will encompass and make us understand in a phrase what life was like. Now, also with that, I would say this. Spiritually, spiritually, the zeitgeist of the time, the zeitgeist of the time, spiritually, will try to define you. They'll try to rule you. i will try to overcome you. This is deeper than what a cultural message. It's really a spirit, okay? And so whatever time period you're living in, that, that culture or rather I want to go so far as to say that spirit of the age is going to try to make you to think that way, to be that way, And to rule over you so your mind, your thoughts, everything would just simply obey and submit to that zeitgeist, to that time period, and to that energy. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but for me, it does as a history teacher. And so 2020, 2021, right, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've mentioned this from the pulpit before, Um, if we just take a snapshot, I mean... Obviously, everything with COVID, we have politics, we have angst, we have even in the bride of Messiah an articulation of doom and gloom. That's been my experience. A lot of people talk about like the doom and gloom and and all this kind of stuff. And I just felt compelled by the Lord. It's like, man, look at the big picture and don't let the zeitgeist of the time try to leak in. Don't allow the political energy to leak in. Don't allow the pandemic and the concerns and the worries and all of the angst and all that leak into your spirit, man. You have a different spirit of the age. You have the spirit. But we really have to be like, man, everyone around me, everyone in a community, everyone in a workforce, and even maybe brothers and sisters are adopting a mentality that is a narrative of X. You know, the sky is falling. Everything is nutty. This, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I understand that. That's not my spirit. That's not my spirit. And I want to I say this because, you know, man, here's the thing. You know, as things may be that way, we are supposed to be a representation of the spirit of a living God. Amen? And if we're doom and gloom, and if the sky is always falling... And, you know, Mr. Government Man is coming to, like, lock us up or do this, that, the other thing. Or, like, whatever the narrative that you have decided to take on, people are not going to differentiate you from the rest of the world. The spirit that we carry is a different spirit. It speaks a better word. It's life-giving. And if we allow the world's zeitgeist to start taking over us, and we step into that. People are going to be like, what is this? I mean, the first century, the book of Acts, soon after. I mean, Rome is clamping down on this this, this this new expression of faith called Christianity. But the apostles are like, I don't live in that age. I'm setting my eyes on things that are above. Set my eyes on the return of the Lord. And so, you know, I understand, you know, uh, my sermon times sometimes can be intense. Maybe you can even say heavy. I don't know. But maybe not. But I want to just give a clarification, you know, especially during the COVID season. Like, the, the, the intensity or whatever is not coming out of a place of pessimism. Like, when things get hard on earth... And when winter is here, springtime is come. look at this like the Song of Solomon, right? The, the winter is past; the springtime is come. Like this is a symbol in the scriptures that are showing us that no matter what is going on in the spirit, it is spring. No matter what is going on. It is spring. The beloved has come to you. And that's something that we'd have to uh, register. Josh, I don't know what's going on with the, uh, the computer. but So in, in the scriptures, the seasons, and particularly spring, is being used to explain and to show... Various things. For example, uh, spring is really largely a representation of a spiritual and also physical reality, right? There is a shift in season. And when the Bible is discussing it, sometimes they are discussing a literal time period of the year. And a lot of times they're really talking about a spiritual age that we're stepping into. Like we are called as believers in Messiah to be living in a springtime age, a time of life, a time of hope, a time of romance, a time of goodness, a time of things being alive inside of us. We can't go to the place of winter. The prophets do this as well. Uh, the prophets, particularly uh, Amos or um, Amos or Amos in Hebrew, uh, refers to the, blo- the blooming of the almond trees. And this notion of a rebirth for the nation of Israel. Uh, in the New Testament, it's like probably the most prevalent. And this springtime is loaded with so much imagery. The Lamb of God is to be slain in the spring. Right? The death and resurrection of the Son of God, does not occur in winter. It occurs in the next couple of weeks when Israel is at full bloom physically. And so uh, just yesterday or two days ago, we officially entered into the new year of the biblical calendar. Now, I know a lot of times people say, oh, well, uh, Rosh Hashanah in the, in the, in the fall is the new year. That, that's, a, that's a rabbinical interpretation. The Bible itself says on the first day of Nisan is the new year. That just happened like yesterday or two days ago. We have just moved in to a new biblical calendar. We've just moved into a new season. The first month of the year in biblical understanding is the month in which there is the Passover and the Passover land. There's a newness, there's a rebirth. And so I really felt strongly from the Lord that we need to really zone in right now. And when that zeitgeist of the world is trying to dictate how we are to feel and to express and to even see history, that we need to step into a place of no, it's springtime. It's springtime. Spring is the time to plant seeds. Springtime is the, is the time of life. It's this time of, of giving birth. It's the time of water and the abundant blessings of water. And so what is this springtime that the Bible is talking about? I mean, it's even what the prophets are talking about. It's so what I'm talking about. It's really a way of reframing the paradigm and the way in which we see things. Okay? So... What is the ultimate expression of the springtime that is referred to in the Song of Solomon? Let's let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Come on, let's think about this. New Testament, paradigm, Passover lamb, life, resurrection. Song of Solomon, springtime, it is the coming together of the bridegroom and the bride. Right? The prophets, it's a time of rebirth, a time of season of planting, a time of getting busy, a time of life being on planet earth. Right? The lambs are born in the spring. Most animals are born in the spring. Okay. It's like all of nature knows. All of nature knows this is the time and this is the season of life. And I believe that we as a church, going up against the zeitgeist of the world, the spirit of the world, we to say, now is not a time of doom and gloom. Now is a time of life. And it always is a time of life. We are to live, I'm arguing, right? Not arguing, I'm trying to explain. We are to live because of the resurrection, because of Jesus. We are to live in a perpetual springtime. It doesn't matter how dark it is out there. It doesn't matter how cold and frigid it is. My beloved has said unto me, arise and come away with me, my fair one. I want that to sink inside of your spirit today. Because you're going to leave in in three hours. Just a joke. You're going to leave at some point. You're going to leave, and you're going to go, and you're going to do your thing. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and it's going to be, bang, 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 bang. oh, my gosh, this, oh, my gosh, that. I can't believe this. Oh, vaccine, no vaccine. Oh, the government. Oh, blah, blah, blah. oh and then the news, the news is this. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my gosh. No. And it's going to be like, man, it's springtime. We refer to this in theological uh, circles as the blessed hope. The fact that we get to live in springtime is the, the, not a, the blessed hope. Hope found all over Scripture, but here we are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now this is in 2021. This is first century Roman Empire when the Romans don't like people like you and me. They don't like us. They're killing us. I mean, they're killing us. They're crucifying us. They're sending us to the lions. Comfort one another with these words. Jesus is returning with a trumpet blast to bring us to the banqueting table and the feast of the Lamb of God. Right? We need to position ourselves into a zeitgeist and a mentality that Jesus is returning and it is supposed to be a blessed hope inside of us. I, I'm just, I was getting wrecked by this. It was like, honestly, I'm being, I'm being transparent with you guys, which I usually am. Maybe too much. I'm like, man, when was the last time I was reflecting upon Jesus' return? Like, really? Like, I'm thinking about the gospel. I'm thinking about evangelism. I'm thinking about ministry. I'm thinking about family. I'm thinking about all the fires that I have to put out as a pastor. And I'm like, man, all these things are going on. I'm like, but David, when was the last time you sat and resided in the blessed hope of acknowledging, not just acknowledging, but filling yourself with the spirit of spring? That springtime is coming, man. He's returning and all. Sin shall go away. All the enemies of God will no longer be. He shall reign as a king in Jerusalem. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And all disease is gone. And all pain is gone. Everything will be pure and perfect. And the glory of his presence will, will actually be the sun and the moon. There no longer will be a sun. His holiness and his righteousness and his beauty will illuminate the universe. I mean, how can you not be hopeful? But, if you adopt the zeitgeist of the world... uh, A little further proof text, Hebrews, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Listen listen to this. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Period. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. An eager waiting, an eager expectation, the writer of Hebrews is saying, the, Paul is saying in First Thessalonians, like an eager, an eager desire that the bridegroom is coming. An expectation. Be honest, man. With my Netflix account, I'm not necessarily thinking about that. Working, waking up in the morning and going to work, I'm not really thinking about that. Yeah, that's the problem, Dave. I know. I want to resign in springtime. Man, he's, he's coming around the corner any moment. Not just to judge the earth with fire. To bring me to the throne room, into his mansion, where there are many, many rooms. So the themes that we see here, right? We got, we got his return, his kingdom on earth, righteousness, justice, a new heavens, a new earth, a manifestation of the glory of God on planet earth. His glory is so radiant that, it, that there's no need for the sun. His glory will cause life. His glory will cause the grass to grow. His glory... And so I was, of course, thinking about glory. And um, let me explain the context for this. It's not hit play yet. Here is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s final speech. It's crazy. It's just like, I'm just going to, we're just going to do like a two minutes of it. It's called, I've Been to the Mountaintop. Now, this takes place April 3rd, 1968. And he's talking about the context, obviously, civil rights. He says, we're going to continue to demonstrate peacefully. We're going to continue to use soul force, nonviolence, civil disobedience, to bring forth change in America. He says, look, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land, but I don't think I'm going to get there but my children will. Right? It's very, very Moses, if you guys remember the story of Moses. right? Moses ascends is uh, at uh, Mount Nebo. He looks into the promised land. The Lord says, you're not going to be able to enter, but your children will. He gives this, and this is like phew, crazy. He gives that speech, goes home, goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, grabs a cup of coffee, walks out to the balcony of a motel room in Memphis, Tennessee, and he, he is assassinated. Okay, But I want you to hear, he's, he's talking a little bit about, yes, the promised land, but he, he, he says something. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't think it's theatrics, but maybe it was. I, I feel like he's just, he really, really has experienced the glory of the Lord. So let's hit play and let's see what's going on here.
1: so just as i say we aren't gonna let any dogs or water hoses turn us around we aren't gonna let any injunction turn us around well i don't know what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because i've been to the mountaintop
0: Woo! Right. Was fifth, almost 45 years ago. All right, this is what we got here. Long life and longevity of life has its place. We all would like that. But that doesn't really concern me anymore. It doesn't matter what kind of hardship happens, I'm going to keep marching on. These things don't concern me anymore doesn't matter what they say or do to us or do to me. I fear no man. Why? I have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I want this to reside inside of us right now. Any fear, any hurt, any depression. any depression, any anxiety, any doom, any gloom, any pandemic, anything that may try to come up against you in this spirit of the age, it doesn't concern me anymore. Because my eyes have seen the coming of the glory of God. The question is, have you seen Have you seen the coming of the glory in the Lord? Have you seen it? When did Moses see it? When he ascended a mountain? How did glory? How did Moses get to interact with the glory of the Lord? Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse eighteen. He says, "God, Yahweh, please." Please, show me your glory. Not please, Lord, deliver us from Egypt and bring us to the promised land. Not please, Lord, get, get rid of all these difficulties. Please, show me your glory. And when we see the glory of the Lord, we are transformed. We will live in a perpetual state of springtime. And I'm not saying that everything goes your way. I'm saying that everything has life. And it doesn't matter if you get a a terminal disease articulated to you from a doctor. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if you lose your job. It doesn't matter what things are going on around you. Because even when the Romans are crucifying you, you say, I've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And I expect his return. I want us and I want myself to be a person and a people to say, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see your glory on earth. And I want to experience your glory in the spirit. The prophet Habakkuk says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea it's coming it's happening it's the blessed hope it's the expectation of his return it is going to happen doesn't matter who's in the white house or who's running the UN or what's going on with the United States dollar and what's happening it's gonna happen his glory is gonna fill the whole earth and cover the waters I want to be hopeful and excited and focused on that. Now, what does the spirit of Jesus have to say about these things? Right? Hebrews chapter 1. I guess I'll start in verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways. Mario, if you can come on down, please. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all the things by the word of his power, when? When he purged our sins. His glory was made manifest, not just that, it upholds the world when he purged us from our sins. And so this raises a question, you know, what is glory? You know, glory, glory, hallelujah. You know, what is glory? All right, let's break it down a little bit. Starting to close up today. There's a couple different Hebrew words for glory. The first one is Shekinah. A lot of Americans like to say Shekinah, Shekinah glory, right? Shekinah right? It's okay if you don't get it right. It's totally fine. But Shekinah, right? The Hebrew word when we translate glory, Shekinah, is is this. It's a physical presence and manifestation of the Lord. Like, it is the fire. It is the cloud of witness, okay? It's when the Lord shows up from the mountaintop and fills, right? Isaiah says he fill the whole, the whole throne room of God with his robe or his glory, okay? It's that physical nature. The other one, which a lot of you probably have heard of uh, potentially, is kavod. Kavod uh, is essentially, it means a weight, a heaviness, a holiness. You guys ever been in like deep worship, deep prayer, and you're just like, boom, like you just feel the weight and the presence of the Lord upon you. And this is coming in the Hebrew kavod of a weight and heaviness showing a value of something. Right? In in ancient times, something that was heavy had weight. It had value. It had a price. It had an authority. It had an importance, a greatness, a splendor, a power. And so let's, let's try to relate this glory concept in springtime to us. Hebrews chapter 10. This is going to stretch some of you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, capital H, right? Fitting for him, for whom all the things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Through the cross, through suffering, through transformation, he brings us to glory. He brings us to a place of holiness. He brings us to a place of weightiness. He brings us to a place of residing in his glory to show the whole earth. It's not enough to just be like, Lord, show me your glory from the mountaintop. We are supposed to be the express image of his glory to earth. This is clarifying even more in case you think I'm really getting crazy here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 18. Paul's speaking here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. (laughs) For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. doom and gloom? Winter? Craziness? Guys, according to the scriptures, we're supposed to be like a battery of the glory of the Lord displayed to earth. And if you're negative and you're pessimistic and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen because of this X, Y, and Z, where's the glory? Where's the impact? Right? Where's the representation of the peace of the Lord? Where's the representation of the love of the Lord? I'm telling you what we need to do is to really receive that kind of expression of glory. Paul say, saying is, is from an expectation. It's setting our eyes on the expectation of the coming of the Lord. Four, the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The earth has been waiting all of creation has been waiting for the sons of God to be revealed and to show the earth the glory of the Lord this is more than praying for people and seeing them get healed I'm talking that you show the world springtime has come this world is temporary the sun is coming a blessed hope to remember that all things that are not of him shall perish and all things that are pure and all things that are holy and all things that are righteous and pure will only last my eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the lord Dr King says probably really quoting from the battle hymn of the republic My eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord And so there's a realistic question of have you seen the glory How do you know I think scripture tells us Now you can say you've seen the glory Let's see how you act if you're marched to a crucifix. And we'll see if you got the glory. Some of us are so cranky because you have to wear a mask pe- places. Right? You complain about masks, no glory. Well, go, go get marched to a crucifix and see if you display the glory of the Lord. He opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Ali, Ali, Laba my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he gave up his spirit so he could go three days in the belly of the earth. as Paul says, I want to know that. I want to know the the experience, the fellowship of his sufferings so I can be transformed into the glory of the image of the Father. How do you know if you have seen the glory of the Lord? If you see the glory of the Lord, you radiate His likeness on planet earth. If you have seen the glory of the Lord, you radiate His love and His beauty to your kids and to your wife and to your husband and to your co-workers and to the person that cut you off. You radiate the likeness of the Lord. How do we know we have seen the glory of the Lord? That's if you are being daily molded and transformed into His image. If you are not being transformed, get out. You have not seen the glory. You haven't. Because if you see the glory of the Lord, everything that is not of God must go away. It's just going to burn off and you just sit in His radiance. How do we know we've seen the glory of the Lord? Moses says, please show me your glory. And Father says, I can't. I can't. Because if you do, no man can live. He dies. You know you've seen the glory of the Lord. If you can, like a couple weeks ago, like Esther say, Avadati, Avadati, I have perished. I have perished. I am completely undone before my Father. all probably know this one. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, his power, his glory. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I, Isaiah, said, "Woe is me! Woe is me! For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips." This is the prophet. He comes in contact with the glory, and he says, "I am undone. I'm undone. Undone." In Hebrews, is the ma. The Ma means to be cut off, to perish, to no longer be. And it comes in response to the Ma at the sight of the divine, at the sight of an epiphany, at the sight of the manifestation of God. That's what undone means. Who am I? Send me. Right? We say this all the time. Who am I? Send me, Lord, I'm here. But in order to do it, we need to perish. And so, I did it again. Maybe it's a little heavy. Maybe it's a little intense. But heavy actually is the definition of kavod, the weight of the Lord. Now, i gonna be honest. It's only heavy. It's only intense. If you've adopted the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age of the world. If you adopt the spirit of the Bible, if you adopt the spirit of Revelation, it's like this isn't heavy, this is what I desire. I desire to be undone before the cross, to experience His glory, to be transformed in the image of the Son of God, and no matter what's going on around me, I have a blessed hope expectation that one day I or my children or my children's children shall hear a sound of the trumpet and the graves shall open and the garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives shall split open and living water will flow down the Kidron Valley and set the desert into bloom again and the nations of the earth will have to bow down and every tongue confess and every Every knee shall bow that Jesus, my groom, is Lord over all. Then it's normal. His glory shall fill the whole earth. Why don't we stand? Come on, a little blessed hope people. No matter what's going on man, whether it's a depression, whether it's a holocaust, whether it is persecution, whether it is, well they just don't like the Christian narrative. Man, what a blessed hope, the coming of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, just so we have a little reminder, a little reminder of what's happening. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, behold He is coming with clouds. Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, Amen. Let it be so. For Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Thus thus saith the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the great almighty El Elyon. Revelation chapter 22, and He, this is John, and He showed me a pure river. A river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations there shall be no more curse but the throne of god and of the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him they shall see his face and his name should be on their foreheads there shall be no night there there need no lamp nor light of the sun for the lord god gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever amen father i just pray right now lord That no matter where we are in our Christian walk, Lord God, that right now by the spirit of revelation, by the spirit of truth, by the spirit that bears testimony, by water, by blood, by fire, Lord God, that there would be a revelation of the glory, the Shekinah, the Kavod Adonai, the glory of God. Lord, that we could say as a church, as families, and as individuals, that we could recite with confidence like Moses, please, oh God, show me your glory. I want to die. I want to be undone in the spirit. I want all of the flesh to be stripped away and only Jesus radiating. It's not enough just for me. It is enough for all of the earth. Because the earth is waiting for the glory of God to be made manifest in the sons and daughters of God. And it will only happen when we set our eyes on the blessed hope. He is coming. He is coming for His bride. And I'm a part of it. And you're a part of it. What a blessed hope to set our eyes on so let us all behold the coming of the glory of the Lord amen come on let's just worship and seal the deal with the Lord right now